Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning, church family. As you can see, uh, Stephen Seeley is up here, uh, and we're excited to announce him as an, an, an installed deacon this morning. And so uh, he's going to be, yes, we can give him a round of applause. He's going to be our worship arts deacon, and we're super excited. We want you to see his face, thank him, pray for him. He does a lot of behind-the-scenes things for uh, our worship team, even the fact that uh, Garrett is in Argyle. Uh, helping that team out there uh, this morning, and he's able to be there because of him. He comes here uh, during his off periods. He's a teacher at CHS and comes up here and makes everything is, is plugged in and tuned and ready to go and just brings a lot of organization behind the scenes that no one sees, but we are certainly uh, grateful for. Uh, he's been a member, him and his family have been a member here since, I wrote down August 2014, I believe that's right. It's a long time, almost since day one, um, and he's just, he, he just, Deacons are, are given by God and commanded to be put in place uh, at church to be servants, servant leaders. Uh, and he, he really goes and brings organization to our church, and he does it with a humble heart. Um, he, he does it in a way uh, that doesn't bring him glory, but it, but it honors God, and it really does a lot of good for us. And we just want to publicly um, just, just put him forward and acknowledge that. And uh, this is part of our decade of development, that God would raise up and stir and other men, women, uh, to become deacons, elders, whatever God has for you that we want to help you uh, grow in your, your skill, skill sets here at the church. And so we're thankful for you. I'm going to pray for uh, Stephen. And um, yeah, we love you, brother. God, we're so grateful uh, just for the gift of, of deacons and just how you have designed your church. God, I thank you for uh, Stephen. I just pray you bless him and his family, uh, that he just comes and just serves for your glory for our good, and I, just, I thank you that we get to recognize him, to employ him, that he continues to help just the door church just grow up into maturity uh, through service, through unity, uh, through his kindness, through uh, the truth and love that he walks in. God, I just thank you for his integrity. I pray a blessing over him and just um, just him and Garrett and, and just their relationship, and um, I just pray that he feels honored. Uh, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Super exciting. Um, so we're, we're in our Advent series, uh, just the arrival of Christ, coming to Christ. And so we are always coming back to Advent, the, the arrival of Christ during, during Christmas. And so uh, that's why, as you drive around, that you, you see lights outside. That's why we do uh, the whole Christmas tree and gifts. Like, there's actually a reason why we do this, and that's Christ. Uh, and it reorients our, our minds, our lives, our hearts around the truth that God has come. And I think so many times we go through December, it's like, yeah, just, yeah, we do this. We do this thing. And um, Advent forces us to say, to say what, is this, what is this about? It helps us consider Christ. And so what we've been doing uh, during this Advent series is studying the lineage of Christ, particularly the mothers of Christ. And it tells us who Jesus is, the promise that uh, was given to us. And we trace that line through Scripture and through uh, different women throughout history and uh, these women tell different stories about who God came for, uh, who, who did God come for. And so uh, this, this week we're looking at Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. 
So if you have your Bible, grab it. Luke 1, 26 and 38, Mary's story. So the mothers of Jesus, is, this is actually the mother of Jesus. So the other one's kind of like a play on words. He only had one mother. Um, and that's Mary. And so what we're going to look at as we look at Luke chapter 1, 26 and 38, there's really three main, main uh, headings that we're going to look at is the problematic greeting that Mary has. Like there, he, she's disturbed by, by the greeting that she receives from the angel. Number two, we're going to look at the prophesied promise. This is, this is a promise that is uh, that given to Mary uh, that she possesses, but it's not given just then, but it's, it's traced through Scripture. Uh, and then how do we possess the promise? How do we possess the promise? So the prom- problematic greeting, the prophesied promise, and then possessing the, the promise. So let's go to verse 26 about Jesus being foretold to his, his mother Mary. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So Gabriel is an angel sent, sent to, to Mary. Going to give some news. Angel, uh, a lot of time in scripture simply means messenger. So he's coming from God as a messenger to humanity. And so this is what we have is a messenger sent from God to bring this message uh, to, to Mary. Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed, uh, to a man whose name was Joseph. So a betrothal is, you know, um, in our day and age, an engagement, but a high commitment that I'm going to marry that man. His name's uh, Joseph. It is key to note that she is a virgin. Uh, she, has not, she has not been with Joseph. And so she is betrothed to him of the house of David. And so if you've been listening to the genealogy that we've gone through, Matthew 1, throughout this whole Advent period, Advent period it's always going through what the line of David, because why the, the promise was uh, given to David. And so we see that Joseph is from uh, the line of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Uh, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So um, what happens here is Gabriel, the messenger from God, has a messenger for Mary. She's betrothed to Joseph out of the line of David and says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse, verse 29, it says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. All right, so this angel comes from the Lord and says, greetings, O favored one. So if you have an angel come from God, giving you a message, and it says, oh, favored one, that, that'd be like, one, I've, I've never seen an angel. Uh, I'm not going to do a show of hands of who has and who hasn't, because it may just get weird. Uh, but most of us have not. I'm going to on, go on a limb and say that. Number two, uh, the greeting was, oh, favored one. That is, um, oh, loved one, really, grace has been put upon you. Um, Another one is like, you've been set apart. This is very interesting. Uh, of all the people, the angels comes to Mary and says, I see you and, and, and my love has been put upon you. Now, verse 29 is, is her response, her first response. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. She was greatly bothered by what was said to her. She wasn't like, I've been waiting on you to come. Like, I, I, I've been doing really well. I, I was hoping that God would take notice, and clearly he has. No, that's not what happened. She says, I was, she was greatly troubled. She was bothered. She was disturbed wholly. Um, she's like, basically, what are you talking about? How could I be the one set apart? How could I be so loved? I think you've got the wrong 
person. It says she was greatly troubled by what? The saying. She, she had trouble with what was said to her. How could I be so loved? How could I be so set apart? She was confused by what was being said to her. Another way to say it, um, it didn't add up. It's like, I think you got the wrong person, right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not who you think I am, Gabriel. So the best illustration I came up, up with all week, and I told this beforehand, and I, I don't know, I got some advice. It's not the best illustration. It's all I come, come with, so I'm going with it anyway. Uh, if you've ever seen Kung Fu Panda, now everyone's like, no, I haven't seen that. I have, and this is what I think of. And Kung Fu Panda is kind of an interesting movie. You got this overweight um, cartoon panda, and he, he's known for his dumple, dumple, dumpling eating. He's just overweight. And they're looking for this dragon warrior, and somehow he gets in the way of this turtle pointing, like, you're going to be the dragon warrior, the, the master kung fu, what we've been looking for. And he, he kind of gets in this finger-pointing way, and he's like, and, and you're going to be the dragon warrior. And he's like, you, you pointing behind me? The, you, you mean me? He's, I, it's like, I had trouble walking up the stairs. Like, I, I'm not the guy that you think I am. And this is how I view, to a certain extent, that she, she had to be thinking. It's like, greatly troubles. Like, I, I, I know you're talking to me, but you've got the wrong person. And then what she started to do is, which I think we should do, and this is one of the great things about Advent, is in verse, uh, second part 29, and she tried to discern, she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She is so disturbed by the saying and what the greeting, and then she's like, I gotta, I gotta think on what was said to me. She's trying to discern. She's debating with oneself how this could be. That's what she's doing. She's having this like inner dialogue, like, I know, I know clearly an angel. I, 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 heard, I think I heard it right. I'm the favored one, but she's now debating with herself, trying to reason through how could she be the one? How could she be, one, be the one that's so highly favored from God? She's like, man, I'm from a, I'm a humble, humble beginning. I'm not even married. I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a teenager. I haven't done anything. How could I be this person? She's debating with herself. There's really no merit of herself to be uh, set apart by God. Verse, verse 30, and then the, the angel doubles down. Gabriel doubles down on what is said. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found what? Favor with God. So this helps. She's greatly troubled by the greeting, the saying, oh, favored one. She's, she's trying to discern. She's debating. Could I hurt it right? Do they know who I am? And then it says, you have found favor, what? With God. So Christmas, Christmas is, is just this story. Um, what, what made Mary special? It wasn't her background. It wasn't uh, her age. What, what made Mary special, it says right here, she found favor with, what, with God. What made Mary special? God did. That, so she's trying to reason, how could I be favored? How could I be set apart? How could I have this love set upon me? She had no basis on her own. You have found favor with God. It's on the basis of who God is that makes you so special. It, it, she's debating with herself, how could this be? And so as we look at Christmas, I get nervous for some of us. We say Emmanuel, 
God with us. God become man. The incarnation of God. And a lot of us like, that sounds about right. That, yep, God would come for me. No, you should be greatly troubled. Greatly troubled. How could God want me? How could God want to visit me? And the story of Christmas is, is, is this story that, that Christmas is about Christ and that we can find favor with God, not on the basis of self, but on the basis of who God is. And this is the story that she's, she's really trying to, to reconcile through, that she is favored, that she has found grace with God, and she is, she is troubled. Now she's discerned. I don't think most of us think about it. Why on earth would God come for us? Why? How could we be special? I think most of us have a very high view of self. And what Scripture says, because of sin, we should have a very, a very low view of self and ourselves, but we should have a very high view of God and his faithfulness, and his promise, and his character. What Christmas is truly about, it's about a prophesied promise for us to possess, but it's actually not about a statement of our goodness. It's about a promise that God gave in his own character to redeem a people that should not be redeemed, that should be shocking. We should be greatly troubled by God wanting to visit sinners. And this gets into the prophesied promise. So let's keep reading in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his his name Jesus. And he will, he will be great and, and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord of God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And, uh, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will, uh, how will this be since I'm a virgin? All this 31 through 34 is, is fulfillment of prophecy, of promise, of God saying, I am going to send a redeemer. To redeem you, a sinner who's been cut off from God, who deserves the judgment of God, I'm going to send my son. This is what this, this is saying. This is the fulfilled promise. So let's go just back to the very beginning. So you and I, Adam and Eve, are, so Adam, Adam apart from our faith in Christ is, is our spiritual father, so to speak. And Adam and Eve rebelled against a, a righteous, holy God. And when I say righteous, holy, he was only good, his moral, his moral character is excellent, and Adam and Eve chose to rebel against the creator of life, the sustainer of life, and when we sinned against God, we were cut off from the author of life and life itself. We're on a trajectory of death. The wages of sin is death. The biggest issue that we have, no matter how much you try to, to, to uh, pacify it in your brain by your busyness, or accolades that you have, that you are, you, you're cut off from God because of your sin, and you are dying. That's, that's the reality we, we live. You, we think we live a long time, but it's very short. We're a vapor. As I get older, I, I just see it clipping along, and we have a huge issue. And Adam and Eve sinned against God, and they are on the trajectory of death. Genesis 3, verse 15, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God gave a promise. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his hill. That is the first gospel. In Genesis 3, 15, I'm, I'm, gonna do some, I'm, a, I'm going to do something about the problem of sin. 
I'm going to sin through the seed of a woman who's going to do battle with Satan and crush his head. I am going to send a redeemer. As soon as the bad news entered the world of sin, God promised good news, that he was going to do something about it. Christmas was promised in Genesis 3.15. And then we see through scripture how it's traced to this moment that the redeemer would come, that he would do battle with Satan, that he would live, that he would die, and he'd rise again so we, we could have life, that we could have forgiveness. And in, um, in that line traced through in Genesis 15, it came through the line of Abraham. Then we find out in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, 16 and 17, it says this, And your house and your kingdom, what shall be made sure uh, forever before me? Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So this is what Nathan spoke to David. And we read this. This is a fulfillment through the line of David that his kingdom will never end. This is what we read here. This is the prophesied promise that Mary now is hearing and is possessing. Uh, we also read in Isaiah 7.14 about what this will look like. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall, and shall call his name Emmanuel. There's going to be a virgin birth. We see this take place right before our eyes. This is Old Testament scripture. This is a prophesied promise that we see being fulfilled. We have sinned against God, but God had good news that he was going to send a redeemer. Christmas, hear me, Christmas is not about you. It's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. From the very beginning, as soon as we sin, we have a huge problem, and God says, I'm going to send a redeemer. And this is what Christmas is. Christ coming in to redeem. Christmas is about him. It's absolutely, it's absolutely for us. It's absolutely for us, but it's, it's about him. Now, the issue is, the issue is, and this is why I just feel, I feel convicted, and I hope, hope that you do to a certain extent, is that we are so busy with our lives that we miss the greatest promise of God for us. What, what's the point of human history? What's the point of Christmas? What's the point of your life, your kid's life? It's not your job. It's not your house. It's not their schooling. It's not their sporting activities. It's Christ. It's not something, it's everything. According to scripture, and this is what we're coming in to possess, and I believe there's no room, no room in our heart. We think we're good. Life's good. Bank account's full. Or maybe not full, I don't know. But we're, you think you're all right. We're not all right. And we may miss the promise, the promise of Christ. Let's listen to, listen to how Mary possesses the promise. She hears this greeting, oh, favored one. That's the statement of Christmas, that you are favored, that we're favored in Christ. You should be troubled by that. You and I should be greatly troubled by God saying, oh, favored one. If you looked at my life, you'd be like, not favored. I mean, there's nothing in my life that like, that guy should be, that should be, that guy should be set apart. And if you do, like you, you are, you're extremely arrogant. You're, you're not dealing in reality. If you look at the trajectory of your thoughts, your heart, and your life, there's nothing in you to be like, oh, favored one from God. 
you, 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 the right response is, oh, troubled, oh, troubled one. Why? Because God, I, I deserve to be judged. Now, listen to what it says in verse, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up in verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with, uh, with her who... Who, who was called barren. For nothing, listen, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, be, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Listen to what she says, let it be. I'm the servant of the Lord, let it be. To me, according to your word, and the angel departed from her. There's so many good things here. One, she heard the word of God. Oh, favored one, she says, how could this be? Well, it's gonna be through Christ." through who you're going to carry. You're going to carry the Redeemer. How could she be favored? It's not actually because of her. It's because of God and because of uh, Christ who is coming through her. And she says, let it be. I, I, she's basically saying, I need Christ. And says, I'm a bond servant to you, God. So another way to look at uh, the servant is like, she says, I was doing my own thing in life. Now I'm about this. I'm all in about this promise. Not kind of in about the promise, like, I'm all in of what God's doing now. And that's how we should respond to Christmas. We're going on our life, and then that we hear the good news of Christmas, and we got to make up our mind, let that be, or I'm going to live my own life. And she says, I'm a bondservant to the Lord. I'm all in on that. Now, how do we get to that point? How do we get to that point of let it be? How do we get to that point of I'm going to be a bondservant uh, to Christ? Well, I think verse 48 of, of chapter 1 helps us there. As this, We'll get into this during Christmas Eve, but I think, it, I think it's, uh, it's helpful. Uh, it says, for he has looked on the humble estate, his servant. The humble estate. The, the people, the people that, that love Christ, that want to be bondservants for Christ, they're the people they're the people that understands they're the no ones. See, a lot of us in life are trying to build our lives to be somebody, to mean something, to try to build our own status, our own, own worth. The people that celebrate Christmas, that possess Christmas, are the no ones from nowhere that understand they have nothing. Those are the people that grasp onto Christ. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. When you're full of self or your cup is full, can you put any more into that cup? The answer is absolutely not. You have to have nothing to get Christ. The issue with most people in our world, we are completely full. There is no room in the end. There's no room in your heart. You think you're self-sufficient. The, the, the story of Christmas is your insufficiency. The humble estate, I am empty. Blessed is the poor spirit, the spiritually bankrupt. Those are the people that will possess Christ. If you think you are something or someone, you, you don't understand Christmas. It's for the humble, the broken, the outcast, the ones who are empty, that will come and drink deeply, deeply from the promises of Christ. They can possess it. Would you say that's you? Have you been humbled by Christmas? Has it troubled you? Or do you just think, yeah, God, God, God certainly approves of me? That's not the statement of Christmas. He's just like, yeah, well done. No, the statement of Christmas, he comes for the broken, the sinner, the far out to redeem, 
to fill you with his love. See, Jesus did come for us, but we gotta understand our neediness, and, when, and as we do, we'll understand his forgiveness, his redemption, we'll possess the promises, but you can't be full of self and full of Christ and this humility that she has is she understands that she has nothing to be loved besides God, and that is enough. And then it goes on to say that nothing is impossible. God, I think it's important to think about Christmas. What we're saying about Christmas is crazy. Nothing is impossible, God. Christmas, I love doing Advent because it's once again, it's once again glancing at the impossible. God became man. God became man and dwelt among us. Instead of glancing this morning, I pray that we would gaze once again, once again at Christmas. Because here's the deal. I know in your life that you are busy. I know in your life that you are full of worries and concerns and issues, whether it is finances, whatever it's family strive, whether it's health. Like I know, I know you have a lot going on because you're a human, as we all do. We all have a lot going on, but Christmas is a time to, to gaze, to gaze at Christ. See, Mary receives this, this announcement of, of of this event. And then what we have here in Luke 2, verse 14, is now the angels pronouncing it to the world. And this is what I hope that we can sit in as we gaze at Christmas, that we could possess it. It says, glory to God in the highest. These, these, these angels are, are, are pronouncing it to the world. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. If you want to have peace in your life, it will not come. It will not come in a circumstance. It just won't. It, your relationships will eventually betray you or end. Your health is going away. Your finances are leaving. Like your life, if not out of control, will soon be way out of control. Your peace cannot come in any of those things. It comes when you understand the pleasure of God that he has in you in Christ. Can you imagine what Mary had when it says that the angel visited her? She's like, I'm about to be married. <laughs> I don't want this. You know what? People are going to look at me with scorn. They're going to say I was sleeping around, you know, carrying, you know, a child that no one has an explanation for. It probably wasn't part of her plan. It, just, it couldn't have been. But as she heard the good news of Christ and the pleasure of God's, God set on her, oh, favored one, she says, let it be. God interrupted her plans with, with his pleasure that brought her peace. And now that peace guided her through her life. Why? Because she understood what this meant. Oh, he, the, the, that she had favor from God. You know, that's what the person of Christ can do. This is what Christmas can do. It, it can steal your life if you truly believe what Christmas is saying that God is pleased to dwell with you, that will bring you peace. Not, not circumstances. Um, I, was, I was in a, a gospel development, and one guy was talking, it really really ministered to me. He was talking about how he, he, he was waking up um, in the middle of the night, and just mind was, was just overflowing with business and work, whatever's going on. And, and he had this imagery of, of when Jesus said to the, the storm, be still. And, and that, that's what Christmas can do. As we look at Christ, 
He can still your storm, not by changing the circumstance, but because of who he is. It can quiet your soul. If you believe that God is pleased with you, if God is for you, who could be against you? Nothing. Even if you die, you know you're going to raise. This is the peace that comes with Christmas. It's the pleasure of God. Have you gazed at the truth of Christmas? Have you, have you thought about possessing it? You have to empty your heart to possess Christ. I mean, there, there is, there's so many ways that we can just move along once again, once again. And this promise before time and that we, the Bible's all about, human history's about, it's, it's for you that you may just walk away again from this Christmas season. I mean, Christ has come for you. Will you let him in? Will you possess him? Will you believe it? Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us see the truth of Christmas, that we would be like Mary, that we would not just hear the word of God and be like, makes sense, that it would trouble us, that we'd have to discern, that we'd, we would process, what does this mean? How could I be loved? It will always bring us to the truth and beauty of Christ. And as we look at the promise of a Redeemer, I pray that we could be like Mary and say, let it be. That we would, that we would submit ourselves not to our circumstances or to what, our, our, what we want our life to be, to what you're doing in it. And we'd be caught up in the promise of Christ that would change us, that it would still our hearts despite circumstance. That Jesus would be enough. God, I ask that you would fill us, fill us with your love, fill us with the person of Christ this morning. I pray that you bring a, a, a peace that surpasses understanding and that we'd be changed, that we'd have a, a, a joy, a joy that's found in Christ that's otherworldly. I ask that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.